Section 7 of A Treatise on Foreign Teas. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter. A Treatise on Foreign Teas by Hugh Smith. Section 7. Effects. From the view that has been taken of the nature, preparation, and manner of using, the salutary effects are most clearly and easily to be ascertained. As the basis of this tea is the combined principle of the most balsamic oils, nutritious salts, and animating sulphurs, which the vegetable world produces, their effects must be proportionately salutary and as their combination is such as to correct the pernicious qualities of each other, their conjoint effect must be the most wholesome that can possibly be administered for the health of human nature. As every simple, however specific in certain cases, possesses qualities that are pernicious in other respects, it has been the first principle of physical inquiry not only to find the basis of a medicine, but to form compounds or ingredients that corrected the injurious tendency of each other. With this scientific principle, Dr. Solander, having composed his sanative tea, has rendered it the most general specific in its effects of any medicinal aliment. This tea, affording a compound oil, which is formed of the most aromatic vegetables the earth affords, it is no wonder its effects like honey, should approach so near a general specific. The invaluable oils, uniting with the sulphurs of the sanative tea, recruit, soften, and lubricate the juices, diminish the too great elasticity, dryness, and crispness of the nervous fibres, and afford the exhausted liquids fresh supplies. Their effects are consequently exceedingly restorative in all cases where the force of the fibres and the vessels are too strong, the circulation too rapid, and the blood too attenuated or diminished, as it prevents the too quick action of the solids and the too rapid motion of the blood, the body is nourished and the mind prepared for the refreshment of sleep when the approach of night invites to repose. In spitting of blood, its effects are particularly beneficial. The oil being easily detached from the earth of the plant is, in such cases, exceedingly nutritive, and by its checking the stimulation and sheathing the acrimony of the humours, the blood is replenished with the most healing and balsamic virtues. In pleurises, ulcers and abscesses of the lungs, hectic fevers, dry coughs, night sweats and difficulty of breathing, the balsamic oil and sulphur of this tea is most salutary. The dropsical, phlegmatic, corpulent, cathetic and all, such as are in their stamina relaxed, will find the greatest relief in its constant use. And to those who are emaciated, either from hereditary or acquired disease, it is particularly beneficial. In seasons when experience informs us that the blood requires cleansing and attenuating, 
This tea will be of considerable service to the healthy as well as the diseased. By these means, the constitution will be preserved and restored from all those chronic and acute afflictions which are the consequences of acrimonious humours and foulness of blood. As this tea produces the effects of cleansing the stomach, promoting digestion, diluting the chyle, and invigorating the whole viscera, it should be constantly drank by those who live freely. Unlike most medicinal applications, this tea requires no previous preparation of the body. Such are its nature and progression of effects that it first renders the body in a state suitable to receive succeeding benefits. Nor is it dangerous, like mineral waters, to which persons afflicted with nervous complaints generally resort. Persons suffering acute or inflammatory diseases or who have their vessels too greatly constringed, need not be under the apprehensions of suffering scirrhosis, or even death, which is the confluence of drinking, in such cases, mineral waters. But, on the contrary, they may expect to receive, from the use of the sanative tea, the most beneficial effects, not only in the above, but also in the gout and rheumatism from its moderate use producing a gentle perspiration. To account for the variety of salutary effects that this valuable discovery produces, we shall now proceed to consider its operation as a medicine and an aliment, which will afford the most convincing and conclusive arguments that can be possibly adduced in favour of its sanative qualities. To consider its medicinal properties or effects, it is necessary to state in what manner it acts first upon the solids, next upon the fluids, and lastly, how it operates upon both together. For on these three principles, the power and quality of a medicine solely depend. In acting upon the solids, it either alters their texture and cohesion, or, by diluting the canals, change the figure of the sides but a medicine acting upon fluids only either alters their properties or brings them out of the body. All medicines, however, act as well upon the solids as the fluids, for the latter can scarcely be altered without in some degree affecting the former. As all medicines derive the greatest qualities from their filling, evacuating or altering the smallest parts, the sanative tea possesses the most restorative properties from its action upon the smallest nervous vessels and not in the arteries, veins, glands, lymphatic and adipose vessels. Thus, as all augmentation and accretion of the greater depend on the extension of the smallest lateral vessels, which are nervous turbuli, the nutrition and restitution of what is wasted must be considerably derived from the constant use of this beverage, morning and evening. From this the medicinal effects of the tea upon the solids are found to be consistent with the first of physical principles. For the nutrition of the solids, which is made by the application of any part to the place of a wasted part, is always affected in the smallest canals, of which the greater consist. 
and as every salutary change of the fluids is made in the smallest vessels, the sanative tea possessing the power of conveying nutrition into the most minute channels of the body, the liquids must derive from it the greatest renovation. From this combined effect upon the solids and liquids, the strength of the greater vessels is increased, and thus is the whole aggregate body invigorated, for every artery derives its energy from its sides, which are composed of the minutest vessels. To enter into a complete detail of its medicinal principles would require a volume itself. We must therefore avoid any further inquiry of its effects as a physical remedy, in order to leave a few lines for its consideration as an aliment. The qualities of an aliment chiefly depend on their nature affording that nourishment which is proper to the time of taking and the state of the body. Indeed, without their possessing these relative properties, either meats or drinks are injurious instead of beneficial. For this reason, physical necessity, more than tyrant custom, has caused a thinner aliment to be taken in the morning and evening than what forms the meals of dinner and supper. This necessity arises from the state of the body being in the morning just recovering its spirits from a comparative state of relaxation and imbecility, and in the afternoon from the stomach being enfeebled by recent digestion. That the body, immediately after sleep, is in a relaxed state, may be perceived by the perturbation the spirits experience from any surprise or violent action instantly succeeding. Fits and faintings have frequently been the consequence of persons of quick sensibilities being wakened. In such a state of relative debility, gross and solid food must oppress the spirits and thus render the body incapable of deriving nourishment from such an untimely aliment. But if what is taken is light, pure and apt for producing chyle, the stomach being capable of digesting it must turn it to the most wholesome nutrition. To attain this end, foreign teas, from their lightness, have been universally adopted. But, as we have found, from their nature, how ill-adapted they are to be given when the nerves are already too weak to bear their violent astringency, such should be used as are possessed of the most nutrition without a tendency to irritate the relaxed fibrilli. When the stomach is enfeebled by recent digestion in the afternoon, to take then another meal of solid aliment must evidently tend to depress the digestive powers and thus prevent the body from having that nourishment it might receive from a lighter aliment. The sanative tea being found from the preceding inquiries to possess the most active, subtle, penetrating, and balsamic compound oils, salts, and sulphurs, which pervade, without irritation, the minutest canals, must afford that species of aliment which the body in a morning and afternoon requires. While it attenuates, it restores the tone and substance of the juices, strengthens the solids, invigorates every natural function, 
and thus affords the means of enjoying all the comfort that a healthy body and a happy mind can bestow. End of section 7